0: Now, where is this going? This is the fourth one, so is it all done now? Was that a nice little experiment? No, no, no. It's, it's part of something much, much bigger. Much, much bigger. See, in January of this year, we're going to kick off our Hearing God uh, seminar. It's a six-week thing that's going to happen on Monday and Thursdays. We're offering it two times a week because we think it's so important that people be able to come to it. So Mondays and Thursdays, starting... Uh, January, I think it's 18th and 21st, I think are the dates. 17th. What's that? 17th. 17th and. Okay, 17th and. Okay. Anyhow, that week, it's Monday and Thursday, and um, we're going to offer it for six weeks, and uh, we want people to be able to learn how to hear the voice of God for themselves. That's our goal. But in order to get there, we thought we'd better start with some, some beginner steps because we know that uh, developing a prayer life is a, is a lifelong journey. And I want to invite someone today who's going to tell us a little bit about their journey. So I've got my friend Bob Rusk. Let's give him a big hand. He's going to come and share a little bit. <clears throat> Morning, Bob. Bob. Get you a, a microphone here. So Bob is... Uh, when I moved here 13 years ago, Bob and his family were attending Hillcrest, and I had uh, his two boys in our youth group, and, uh, and they're good family friends from a long time ago, and uh, but they live a little far away. How far do you live from Moose Jaw? Hour and a half. Hour and a half. So it was a bit of a drive to commute to come to Hillcrest, and eventually uh, they figured out a scenario where they could really be involved locally, and we blessed them in that, loved that. This spring, we were sharing a little bit on this challenge of developing a prayer life, uh, developing your prayer life, and Bob happened to be there, and he came and told me a little bit of his story about something that happened 10 years ago here at Hillcrest, and I thought, this week, as I was preparing to do this, I thought, you know what? I'm going to phone Bob and find out the details of that and share that as an illustration. And then when I got talking to Bob, I was, he was like, hey, I just happened to be coming into Moose Jaw, and I plan to be at church. I said, okay. Now I don't have to share the illustration. You can share it for me. So 10 years ago, roughly, tell us what happened.
1: Uh, It was a typical Sunday morning, just like this morning. And uh, uh, Phil Lewis just strolled up to the front of the church during a sharing time kind of deal.
0: Are we good, sound guys? I'll hold it up a little higher. (coughs) Anyways,
1: Phil, Phil come up and he said, you know, if... If you guys would take this challenge, I don't know exactly the words, but if you would start reading your Bible, start spending time with the Lord for, f- even, I remember him saying that, even if it's only 15 minutes, uh, start that. And he said, it'll change your life. Okay, so I was the kind of guy that uh, could probably live fairly well off Pastor Al's sermons. And if I snuck in uh, life group and... Uh, made it to Sunday school, which I didn't see very many of you guys at Sunday school this morning, but anyways, <laughs> if I did all that, uh, I could get by, but there is that yearning in our hearts that we need more of God, and when Phil said that, that resonated with me, and I kind of went on my own little class to spend more time with, with the Lord, and I do that in a special place. In our own home, it's a, it's a one chair, it's in our solarium, and I spend time with the Lord every morning. So,
0: let me just jump in here. So, so, the catalyst was just a word from another regular believer. Phil Lewis got up and he just said, hey guys, if we spend 15 minutes reading the Bible a day, it'll change our lives. And you, you took up the challenge and you began. But we've been talking about how challenging it is. A lot of us have had struggles in kickstarting or re kickstarting our attempts to pray. Did, was it automatic for you or did you struggle to tell us?
1: It's not, it's not an automatic thing, but it, it, dis, it requires discipline, which most of us, when we say the word discipline, we shy away from that. But discipline is something that if you can incorporate it into your life, it can change also. And I, made, I disciplined myself to spend that. It's got longer. It's, it started at 15 minutes. It's got longer and longer and longer. Uh, to spend that time with the Lord. And uh, discipline is really key. Mm-hmm.
0: So how long like, how long did it take you? Did it take you two weeks to get it down pat and then it was solid, or how long did it take you?
1: Well, they say that if you do something for 14 days in a row, it becomes a habit. That's not completely correct. I think it took me a little longer than that. I would say if you could do it something consistently for six months, that's kind of where it really started to become part of my life. And and for me to describe this in the very, very best way of how this relationship starts to grow with the Lord. I have a really good marriage. Always have. So from the time I leave home in the morning till the time I come home at night, my desire is to be with my wife. That's what I think about. I send her text during the day. I do this, I do that. I reckon that with a relationship with the lord our desire becomes it becomes more of a natural thing for us to want to spend time with the lord
0: so this you're talking about a growing affection like it starts small but it's a growing increasing level of affection for the lord over time
1: that's the best way i can describe it yeah
0: cool cool so now you you had told me at one point it took you the better part of that year you know six months to form the habit but it took you so you, it really was quite an investment in learning the, the patterns of discipline to go along with this. But then, eventually, there was a sense where it was sort of solidly established in your life, and now that was nine years ago at least, so almost a decade ago. How has this one thing being established in your life, this time every day with God, how is it, what effect has it had over the last nine years, or, or even conversely, how do you imagine your life would have gone differently if you hadn't had that established for nine years? Just give us some, some of the, what, some of the benefits that have come out of this.
1: I'm, I'm glad I did bring my notes up here because I had a totally different perspective on this. But any, anyways, some of the things that happen to you are kind of almost out of your control. Like for example, there's a, a guy in my community that, yeah, you're looking at me, just me, no Jesus. I dislike him. And, uh, different lifestyle than me and uh yeah anyways um one morning I pull up to the co-op We're in a small community we know we know everybody and I jump out of the truck and here's this guy standing there just a few feet away and I say hey how are you doing and where you been I haven't seen you for a while and have you been on a holiday and I'm going I'm thinking in my head this is not you this is somebody else. What's going on here? It became a, a completely almost involuntary love for this person that I actually dislike. And that's one thing that happened. and uh, another th- other things that happen is you come out in the morning and you're going to work and you look up and you see all the stars and you, and the first thing that comes into your, into your mind and into your heart is how majestic is your name, O Lord. And you begin to quote these scriptures because you see this stuff going on and you go oh you're amazing you know that's that's kind of what starts to take place
0: so you're starting to describe things that aren't just naturally in bob but they're things that are of the spirit of god and they just start you start noticing it more and more that whoa i'm changing
1: exactly like the other morning i was sitting at a grain terminal and watching the sun come up and i'm Begin to worship because it's so incredible, you know. Mm. Very cool. So,
0: you're not a superstar spiritually, Bob?
1: No, no, I'm (laughs) a regular guy.
0: (laughs) If I could do it, anybody could do it. (laughs) Just thought we'd check. Just thought we'd check. Bob, thank you so much for sharing this morning. I sure appreciate it. Let's give him a hand. I think this is is something for all of us i think it's all of us were meant to have what bob's describing god working in our lives slowly but surely noticing changes and transformation that only god can bring Uh, but a really great key in 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 that is is the word of god and i'm glad that the gideon sharing this morning was awesome that ties in really well with bob and also i'm going to share these so fast it's going to be lightning quick okay guys lightning quick you ready for this why you need Bible with your prayer, okay? You started praying, you started taking the baby steps. Some of you have, many of you will more. It's gonna, it's gonna get steamrolling and we'll get more and more momentum with this thing because we're not giving up. We're gonna persist until we become a church of prayer, okay? Amen, thank you. Five minutes now. You know what, when we get to the Hearing God seminar in January, like the latter half of January, uh, we're going to be making bigger challenges than that. We're going to challenge people to spend 30 minutes, 30 minutes in Bible and prayer. Whoa! So maybe if you're taking the five minute challenge now, maybe you should up it to 10 this week and 15 next week. Or, you know what? Though, I bet you discovered this. If you did the five minutes, it turned into 10 or 15. Did you? Some of you probably noticed that, right? You're like, oh, I'm just gonna. All I have to do is five minutes, so I'll just sit down. And then suddenly you got into it, and you're like, man, this is good. I need this in my life. Let me give you let me give you some things and why you need Bible with your prayer. First, the Bible gives you language to learn to pray. Uh, for years, people used the Psalms as the prayer book of the church. They would read through the Psalms, which is a whole bunch of prayers/songs to God, and they go they'd read them, and then that became part of their vocabulary and how they'd approach God. If you read the Bible before you pray, you're gonna have language to speak to God with. Number two, the Bible helps kickstart the sleepy mind. I have a sleepy mind. When I get up in the morning and I try to pray, I often have an empty mind. I'm sort of unmotivated. I'm like, okay, I'm here to pray. But if I read the Bible first, it prepares me. It gets my mind focused and channeled towards prayer. Number three, the Bible helps you pray in line with the truth. See, the Word of God and the Spirit of God are partners in this. We, me- we memorized Romans chapter 12 together. So if you were here during our Romans 12, our R12 series, we tried every week to learn a few more verses out of Romans chapter 12. We, we, we tried to learn seven, and try was the operative word because lots of us struggled, especially your pastor, struggled to learn those verses. Uh, see if we can recite them real quick, okay? Ready? You're like, no, no, a pop quiz a month later, that's not fair. Let's see if we can do it. Uh, maybe we'll pull the words up here. If you don't, If you weren't there in that series, it's not fair to throw it at you. Can you guys... There we go. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to try not to look at the words, and that'll probably get me off track, but you guys can stay off track, on track and keep me good. Okay, so therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, this one has action, so it's really fun. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Oh, it wasn't even up there. Guys, you're amazing. You did fantastic. Let's go to number three. For by the grace... Given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Okay, great. We're doing great. Now we're going to do verses 9 and 10. Okay, verses 9 and 10. You ready? This has got fingers for it. So, love must be sincere, hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. I'm not looking at the words, so if I'm leading you astray, you just say the right words, okay? Just if I get it messed up. Okay, great. Now we just have two, 14 and and 21. These are the ones I'm going to actually have to read for because I get them mixed up. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Why did we memorize that? We memorize that because, we memorize that because there might be a day when you don't have your Bible in front of you or with you and you need the Bible in you. I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me in the last month where I was there and I was like, my Bible, I don't have, my phone has a Bible. But sometimes my kids are listening to something on the phone and I don't have my phone with me. So I'm like, Therefore, I urge you, I start quoting it. I can't tell you how many times God has stopped me in the first or the second verse. Am I surrendered to God? Am I all in with him? Have I offered my body to him? I have offered my body to God more in this season because we memorize those verses than any other time in my life. The word of God. You need it with your prayer. The word of God and the spirit of God work together. Mark twelve twenty four. Jesus said this to Pharisees. He says, you're in error because you do not know the Scriptures or the power of God. So on one hand, you've got the power of God through the Holy Spirit, and you've got the Scriptures. On the other hand, you need them both. They work together. Some people are like, I can hardly wait until we get into listening prayer, and we're just really led by the Spirit of God. Well, you know what? We didn't dare go there at the beginning of September because I wanted you to memorize Scripture first. Because <laughs> the Scripture is going to help you filter and understand and, 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 and process any word that you receive from God, it's going to help you discern whether that is a word from God or just you had pizza and your strange dreams. The word of God is so essential to your prayer life. So you need Bible with your prayer? The, here's number four: The Bible helps increase your faith. Prayer is an exercise in faith. You're going to ask with greater boldness in prayer if you read the Bible first. It's true. I'll read the word and suddenly I'll find a new passion and, and, and th- like there's a new sense of asking. Remember I said that we tend to ask here but God can do all that? I find myself moving up this ladder of asking God for greater and greater and more specific things because I've read the Bible first. It'll increase your faith. Romans ten seventeen. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the words about Christ. If you want your faith to increase, read the word. Number five, the Bible helps you sort, helps you discern your thoughts and intentions. The Bible helps you discern your thoughts and intentions. Sometimes, you know, the heart can deceive itself, right? We can deceive ourselves. There's things I just want. So I might just tell myself that that's God, that God wants that for me. And uh, the Bible helps me to avoid that. Listen to this, Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So you say, I I often lead myself astray. I often get tempted and, and just want to claim that this is God when it's not God. You want help with discerning those thoughts and intentions? Read the word. Number six, and this is the last one. And the Bible equips us for the good work God has for us to do. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. What's the point? Why? The next verse tells us, So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you know God's got stuff for you to do, unique to you? Some good works. You want to be equipped for it, or do you want to run into them unequipped? I'd rather get the training. I'd rather get the teaching. If there's anything in me that's evil or wicked, I want to get rebuked. I don't really want to, but I want to go into that good work ready to do it. I want to be equipped. I hope you do too. Let me give you a practical, and then we're going to watch a video, and we'll be, we'll be finishing right up right away. Okay? Here's a practical. Practical. Four things to take into your, into your Bible time when you're going to read the Bible and then pray. Four things. You want to take all four of these with you. One, take a Bible. <laughs> yes, I get paid to do this job. <laughs> <laughs> so deep. That teaching was so amazing. When you're going to read the Bible, take a Bible. Oh, I've got to write that down. Okay, take a Bible, right? So you might have a Bible that you... With, if you don't own a Bible, by the way, take the one in the bench... In front of you, just take it home with you. Those are for you to take home. It's a gift from us if you want me to sign it. I didn't write it, but I could (laughs) autograph it. Um, Take it home. So take a Bible into prayer, okay? So I tend to want a paper Bible and not the the U version Bible I have on my phone because I'm super tempted to check Facebook. So I try to not open that when I'm there, okay? But here's the second thing. Take a reading plan, okay? So I have a journal that has a reading plan in it now, you can get reading plans on Uversion, which is, again, everybody's favorite Bible app. Okay, you, can, you can get reading plans on your phone as well. And, and, uh, or lots of reading, maybe the Daily Bread. There's lots of different ones that you can get reading plans for. But take a reading plan so that you're going somewhere. Or make your own reading plan. Here's one if you just want to learn how to learn the vocabulary of prayer, just read through Psalms. That's something you could do. It's in the middle of your Bible. You can find it really easy. Okay? So take a Bible, take a reading plan, take a journal. Not everybody likes to journal I find that when I take time to write even just the verse I'm, a verse I'm reading or my own thoughts, that it sticks with me longer and uh, it, it actually goes deeper in my life. So take a journal. Again, you can use your phone for all three of those things so far that I've mentioned. And take a scheduler, so a calendar, or your phone for most of us, right? So you can do all these things with your phone. Me, I'm particularly weak when it comes to discipline. So I take my phone with me, but I only use it when I get distracted. Like, oh, I forgot to do this. I, type, I put it into my phone in the notes. I close my phone and slide it away from me because it's poison to my Bible time. <laughs> but it saves me from being distracted. If I don't write that thing down, it'll nag me through my whole time. I'll think I have to remember it. So I go write it down. Then my brain doesn't have to be engaged. I can be focused on the word. Take those four things, Bible, reading plan, journal, and a scheduler and a phone. And that's my practical word for today. We're going to watch a video. This is a video that I think probably in the last year, we watched it nine, nine months ago. It was the same service when Bob caught me after the service and said, I started that journey 10 years ago. And let me just say this as before we watched the video. What's your journey going to be like for the next 10 years? Is it going to be an intimate, close relationship with God that defines that journey? Or are you going to go... Ten more years on your own. Let's
2: play it. An advertising executive. Came down to talk to me after a service, and he had just become a Christian. I I had baptized him at the church, and so, and uh, he said, I, I just can't make time for a meeting with God. He said, you have no idea what it's like to commute downtown every day, and you live in a different world. I, I can't, I just can't fit it, fit that kind of thing into my life. And I remember looking at this young guy, hard charging young guy, and and I said, here's my experience, and I'm not, you know, I'm only like 24 years old, so. There it is. I said, I've always been able to make time for stuff I value. Just how my life works. If I value something, I'll make time to experience it. If I don't, I won't. And I'm making time for a meeting with God in my life. You do it any way you want. And uh, he wasn't too happy with me that day, I don't think. And I didn't see him for a while. And then afterwards, I saw him many months later. And when he came down to talk to me, his countenance was different. He felt different. His conversation was different. And he invited Lynn and me, he and his wife invited Lynn and me to go over to their house for dinner. So we accepted. He lived right in the area. And so we go over to their house and uh, as we're kind of just having some appetizers beforehand, he takes me over to a rocking chair. And he says, you know how you challenged me to have a meeting with God and to just to make the time. He said, I, I've, I love rocking chairs, so I bought a good one. And you said that maybe if you're going to make this repeatable and enjoyable, you should look at some scene or vista that you enjoy looking at. And he said, I've got a little backyard here, and I love looking over the backyard. So he said, I, I just bought this chair, and I put it in the, at my favorite window where I can overlook the backyard. And he said, I got up a half hour earlier, 15, 20 minutes, half hour earlier each day, the last several months. I sit in the chair, I have a cup of coffee, and he goes... I read God's word. I try to make sense of it. I ask him to speak to me by his word. Then I meditate on it, reflect it, apply it to my life. Then he said, I write some thoughts down in a journal and I pray. I pray that I will be more aware of his presence in my life. And I said, how's how's that going for you? And his wife jumped in and said, I'll tell you how it's going for him. He's a changed guy. What happens to him when he sits in that chair, has changed him. He's more centered, he's a more gentle and loving man in our marriage and to our children. I was very impressed with this, that he could show me his chair, that he had taken the time, that he had fashioned a meeting with God that he looked forward to, because he liked the chair, he liked the view, he liked the coffee, he was a morning guy. And he fell into this pattern. Many months later, uh, I had coffee with him one time, and he said, I'm thinking about leaving my job in advertising. He said, it just, it, um, I think I'm done with that. I said, where'd you get these ideas? And he said, well, in my meetings with God in the chair. <laughs> That's, he's been putting those thoughts in my mind. I said, what are you going to do? And he said, maybe I'll just help you build the church. I said, well, no one's getting paid around here, you know. <laughs> And he said, well, I've done pretty well in advertising. I can hold on for a while, and, and uh, maybe if the church grows, you know, then maybe they can help me and my family in some way. And I said, well, you better go back to that chair and see if God's really in this because I don't want to take responsibility for your life and all this. And he said, okay, I will, and came back about a month later, and he said, no, I gave notice at, at work, and if it's all the same to you, I'm just going to help you start building the church. You pay me what you can, but it's not a concern of mine. And this guy joined our staff, and I'm telling you he was a hardworking, energized, joyful, uh, industrious individual that really, really helped our church and was on our staff for many, many years staff members in the early days of the church. Then one day he comes into my office and he said, "You know, I, I still do that meeting with God in that chair, that rocking chair." And he said, "God's been stirring in my life in my meetings with God." And he said, "A friend of mine starting a brand new church in Colorado." and I think I'm going to pack my family up and move to Colorado. I said, can they support you? He said, no, I'm going to have to go back into the marketplace and make some money because they they can't afford anything. And uh, I said, are you ready to do that? And he said, you know, every morning I talk to God about it. And he said, I'm really fired up about it. So we said goodbye to him, and he packed his family up, and he went out. And he went back into advertising, made a lot of money, and gave most of it to the startup church. And it became a fantastic church. And then, in that same chair that he moved out to Colorado, sitting at a window in the morning, like he had done for many, many years now, he processed a bad medical report he got from the doctor that cancer had come his way. And he kept working and he kept supporting that church. And uh, he got sicker and sicker. It was a very fast-spreading kind of cancer. And uh, then he was hospitalized. And one of the great losses he felt when he was in the hospital is that he didn't have his chair. And he died quite soon thereafter. And I did his funeral in Colorado. And I was talking to his widow, his wife, uh, at the funeral. Reception afterwards. I said, That was something about that chair, wasn't it? She said, His whole life changed in that chair. I said, What are you going to do with the chair? And she said, We are going to pass that chair on to our children and on to our grandchildren in the hopes that someone would sit in it like Tom did and have their life transformed. Simple question, gang. Where's your chair? Where do you meet with God? Where do you reflect on his word and open yourself to his power? Where where do you become aware of his presence in your life? Where is that? And some of you go, well, you know, I mean, I don't have a nice backyard to look out on. It doesn't work for me. The thing about the unlimited presence of God is that you can meet with him anywhere. Your chair can be anywhere. When we first started, Lynn and I first started taking our summer study breaks in South Haven, that little town on the other side, Uh, we rented a one-bedroom cottage in the summer times. And so it was chaos with two kids in, in that cottage. So I would leave and I would go to the Burger King in the morning for 30, 40, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour. First booth on the right when you come in the door, Main Street in South Haven. I did that little practice for nine years. Fiberglass booth in a Burger King. I made some of the most important ministry and personal decisions in my life. Fiberglass booth in a Burger King. To this day when I drive by that Burger King, I look at it and I go, man, God met me there. There's a carpenter in this church that meets with God every morning in the front seat of his pickup truck. Brings a thermos of coffee and his Bible. Half hour before the construction starts, he just sits in the front seat of his pickup truck. Absorbs the word of God, meets with God, surrenders himself with God, to God, asks for direction in his life. A young mom that I know goes to Starbucks whenever she can. Corner table, meets with God. Where's your chair? When you meet with a friend, let's say for a lunch, what happens is if you've connected with that friend, after you leave the restaurant or wherever it is, You think about that friend later on in the afternoon. When you meet with God, you think about him more throughout the course of your day. His presence lingers after the meeting. Where's your chair?
0: Let's stand, guys. You've already heard the uh, the call to response. You already know what it is. Some of you have already responded in your hearts. You've already said, okay, God, I'm going to try again. Or I'm going to start for the first time. Uh, some of you are racking your brains trying to figure out the chair, the location, the, <laughs> where you're going to sit. Uh, I just want to pray for you. I believe that if you've already responded, I just want to bless what you God's doing, Lord Jesus. Would you help us? We know that you have great plans for us—plans to see us transformed to be more like you—and we know that that comes with being in your presence and spending time with you. So, Lord, we just ask that you you take what we've learned, what we've what we've taken in this morning, what your your spirit is saying to us, how putting your finger on this area of our lives and that we'd uh, we'd rejoice that you've spoken so directly to us and yet we'd respond. Help us to respond. Help us to make plans that work. Help us to persist when we uh, experience difficulty or, or maybe our schedule is in opposition to us. Lord, help us to figure that out. Help us not to give up. Lord, you, you taught us to always pray and not give up. So we don't want to lose heart in this. So, God, Lord, I pray you just really set us on that path of a closer relationship with you. Lord, as Bob shared this morning, let help us to experience the transformation of the inside out where we suddenly are some days going, wow, I love that person I disliked. I'm praising you in a, in a spot where I would be oblivious to you. Lord, I pray for those transform- transformative experiences in our lives where we suddenly realize, oh, wow, uh, you are, you are growing in me a brand new affection for you. Yeah. Would you do that for us, Lord? Would you give us a heart for you, a passion for you, that we'd live our lives for you, we'd lay down our, our lives again and again, saying, you can, you can lead. This is, this is your life. Live your life through me. Yeah. Thank you for your mercy and grace and your power in order to accomplish these things. In your name, amen. Would you guys lead us in a song? Let's just allow this place to be a place of prayer. So if you want to visit with people, I invite you to just go on out to the entryway and have a great visit there. But there's going to be prayer teams, myself and others, who'd be willing to pray with you this morning for anything. Anything that the Holy Spirit's showing you today or anything you come in burdened with today, we'd love to pray with you about that. But have a great week. God
3: bless you. Uh, And may you love people in the name of Christ.